Welcome everyone. My name is Dr. Lori Little, and I'm a clinical psychologist, mindfulness coach, psychedelic therapist, wife, and mom. My passion is helping people learn to listen to and trust their inner healing intelligence, that part of us that is always moving towards health and growth. Ultimately, when we allow our inner healing intelligence to be our guide, we can stop looking outside of ourselves for answers. We can experience more joy, more peace, and more connection with others than we may have ever thought possible. Although it may sound simple, it is by no means easy. Join me as we discuss the many challenges and opportunities that listening to your inner healing intelligence can bring to your life. Welcome back to episode 10 of Inner Healing Intelligence. This is Dr. Lori Little. Today we're going to be talking about using our mindfulness skills around holiday time. There are dozens of holidays throughout the world that are celebrated in November and December. Although my family celebrates Christmas in December, I know that some of you listening may be celebrating other holidays this time of year. One of the things that is common for people is to focus so much on all of the tasks that are to be done around this time of year. And we're so focused on all of these tasks that the time of year just flies by. We're so focused on buying our presents, mailing out our cards, um, preparing to host or attend holiday parties, we're decorating our homes. There just seems to be an endless list of things to do. When we become so overly focused on the tasks, we can totally miss out on the experience. So this episode is really to serve as a reminder for folks to slow down and to be in the moment. And I'm gonna talk about two different ways that we can really practice our mindfulness skills, especially during this time of year. The first mindfulness challenge that I'm gonna be talking about starts with food. One of the best things about holiday time for me is all of the foods that we usually just prepare, particularly for this time of year. In my family, we have these molasses Christmas candies that my great aunt used to make, and the tradition has been passed down over the years. It's kind of a unique or strange little candy that if you don't like molasses, you would probably find it disgusting. But for me, when I eat it, it brings back all of the memories of Christmases in my childhood. It reminds me of family members, um, family members who are no longer here to celebrate with us. So it's really something that is not just the food itself, but has so many memories and feelings and emotions connected to it. And it's probably the same in other cultures as well. But in the Christmas culture, there is a very strong emphasis on sweets and sugary foods. So at Christmas time, we have pumpkin pie and apple pie and Christmas sugar cookies and candy canes and just so much sweetness. 
And one of the things that can happen because sugar is really quite addictive, the more that you eat, the more that you want. With all of this sweetness and all of these foods so readily available around this time of year, it's very easy to overindulge and to not feel really good. Mindful eating is one of the best ways to make sure that we are truly enjoying our food when we're eating it, as well as reducing the risk of overeating or even binge eating. First, remember that when we are being mindful of anything, we're really just doing one thing at a time. So with eating, if at all possible, try to reduce distractions when you're eating. Depending on the setting, that really may be hard or even impossible. For example, if you're at a party, it might be really difficult to minimize those distractions. But if you are at home, make sure that you are turning off the TV, turning off or putting away your phone. Just really try to do nothing but eat when you do eat. Start by looking at your food. Notice all of the colors. Take a moment to really appreciate how certain foods might shine in the light. Notice if your plate has a variety of colors on it or notice if it is really mostly white or plain or all of the same color. Next, smell your food. And I know that yes, this is a little embarrassing. People might wonder what you're doing, but don't worry about it. Just smell your food first. Smell the whole plate. Put your nose right up to it if you can. Take in a whiff and notice how your body responds. Are you salivating? Notice just the tiny bit of pleasure that happens just from smelling your food. So this is before we've even taken our first bite. There's actually pleasure and joy that comes just by looking at and smelling the food. Notice within yourself if there's any anticipation that's building as you start to smell the food. Just be aware of the emotions that you're experiencing. Any memories, thoughts, feelings, or sensations. Just notice them without judgment. Next, now we're going to eat, which is the best part. So take one small bite and put your utensil down. The reason why I say this is because oftentimes when we're eating in a less mindful way, we're holding on to our fork and we're almost looking at or planning our next bite and we're totally missing the bite that is already in our mouths. So put the utensil down and just take a moment to really be mindful of the food that is in your mouth. Chew it thoroughly. See if you can notice the different herbs or spices or different ingredients as you're chewing the food. Notice the texture. Is this soft? Is it chewy? Is it moist or is it dry? Just focus on that bite as you chew slowly and thoroughly. Only until you have finished that bite 
Is it time to take the next bite? Do your best to slow down, even if you are already a slow eater, really try to slow down much more than usual. From a physiological perspective, it takes a while for our stomach signals to catch up with our eating. So as we're eating, our stomach releases hormones and chemicals and interacts with our brain to say, okay, you've eaten enough, it's time, you're getting full. But unfortunately, there's this delay that occurs between as your stomach is sending out these signals, it takes a while for us to actually pick up on those signals. When we eat really fast, that's why we can overeat because there just hasn't been enough time. So we really want to slow down and notice how your body is responding to the food. Notice as your stomach is getting a little bit more full and full. Notice that we're not only being mindful of the food itself and how the food tastes, but we're also being mindful of how our bodies are feeling. Take breaks if needed to, to just sit and enjoy the meal, enjoy the conversation, enjoy the process. When your stomach is starting to feel full, this is when we really need to pause and start doing a little bit of internal work. This can be a very tricky time for some of us because there might still be a lot of food left on your plate. And I am totally guilty of this. My eyes are way bigger than my belly. And so no matter how hard I try, I usually end up putting more food on my plate than I know that I'm actually going to eat. So here's some self-talk that I want you to keep in mind when this happens. Number one is, it is okay to waste food. I know this is really difficult, but it really truly is okay to throw food away. And I know that many of you grew up, thankfully I did not, my parents were pretty good about this, but many patients that I work with will tell me, my parents used to say at the dinner table, there are starving children in China and Ethiopia and they would die for your uneaten food. You have to finish your plate. And unfortunately, no matter how much we would like it to be different, in this moment, there is absolutely no possible way that you can send your uneaten plate of food to any of those children. So you eating it on their behalf is not going to do a damn thing for them. So I really want you to remind yourself, these were very unhelpful stories of your childhood that no longer serve you. You absolutely can throw it away. If you feel like that is just too big of a step for you, and ideally maybe if you're at home, then all you need to do is wrap it up. Put it in a Tupperware, wrap it up, put it out of sight, and I want you to tell yourself, if I want to have this in 10 minutes, 
20 minutes, an hour later this evening, I can go and have this anytime I want. I don't have to eat it now. If you notice that later you're hungry, by all means, have your food. What I notice with working with patients who struggle with overeating or with binge eating is that there is so much anxiety around this time. So our goal at this time is to really focus on reassuring ourselves and most importantly, giving ourselves permission to eat whatever and whenever we want. The biggest predictor of overeating is when we tell ourselves that we shouldn't or we can't eat something. All of us have our inner toddler who absolutely does not like to be told what we can and cannot do. And that inner toddler is always there. So when we tell ourselves, I'm not allowed to eat this food or I shouldn't eat this food, our inner two-year-old comes out of the closet and says, yeah, right, I'm going to do whatever I freaking want, okay? So we need to be kind to that inner two-year-old. Remind him or her that she or he is totally in charge and absolutely is allowed to eat it. But the question is, does she really need it right now when your stomach is already full? Wouldn't it taste so much better to eat it when you're actually hungry again? So we're not telling the two-year-old that they can't. We're just coaching them and reminding them the food is always there. Maybe you just will enjoy it if you eat it a little bit later. This is a process that can take a long time to practice and get better at. So if at first you really struggle, don't get down at yourself. Don't beat yourself up when you notice that you've eaten your entire plate and you feel uncomfortable afterwards. Don't get mad at yourself if at all possible. Just remind yourself that every moment is a new opportunity to try again. The second area where mindfulness can be particularly helpful around this time of year is when we are experiencing stress or anxiety about not being able to get everything done. One of the things I like to really remind my patients about is that there is a significant difference between worrying and planning. Worrying is when our minds are just spinning like a hamster on a wheel, just going over and over and over what we have to do. What if I don't get it done? It's this sort of passive state of mind where things are just going in your mind on their own and it's very unpleasant. It's very or completely future-based and totally within our imagination. Planning is very different. Planning is when we sit down with a pen and a paper and write out all of the things that we would like to accomplish, as well as putting down an action plan for how and when we're going to do this. 
planning serves a very important function in our lives. If we don't plan for things, we're probably going to end up with a life with a lot of chaos and disorganization and unnecessary drama. Worrying, however, is not helpful. It serves almost no function at all in our lives. When you notice that your mind is spinning or worrying, see if you can mindfully turn your attention to planning instead. And don't just make a list of to-do items. When I ask people if they make a list, people usually tell me, oh yeah, I've got eight lists all running around the house. Also not helpful. Try to consolidate into one list and then expand that list to when or how you're going to do them. A lot of times we are worrying unnecessarily because we have plenty of time to do the tasks, but we can't really see that. So putting it on paper and showing yourself when you can do each of these tasks can actually help to settle you down a little bit because we're really recognizing, yes, I do have time, I can get it done. Sometimes, in fact, however, we are worrying because our inner wisdom is trying to tell you something. Your inner wisdom is trying to say, uh, honey, there is no way in hell you're going to get all this done. What are you even thinking? But we don't actually take a moment to sit down and accept this. We don't want to accept this. Our, the overachievers among us don't want to believe that there, we are not actually going to be able to get this done. So we just worry instead. So when you're writing down your list and making a plan for how and when you're going to get this done, ask yourself questions like, is this realistic? Is this possible? Most importantly, if I try to stick to this plan, what am I going to miss out on? I really want you to ask yourself that question because there's always some con or something you're going to miss. If I'm doing this, then I'm going to miss out on that. So questions you can also ask are, is there anyone that I can recruit to help me or are any of these things that I can outsource? If you are a person with very high needs for control, then this step is going to be hard for you, but absolutely essential. You cannot nor should not do everything, especially if it means that you're going to miss out on enjoying more of this holiday time. I want you to ask yourself, are these standards way too high? And so for my perfectionists out there, I, yes, in fact, I am calling you out. Instead of making a cake from scratch for your holiday work party, couldn't you just pick up a cake at your local bakery? Wouldn't that be almost as good? I really want you to remind yourself of the good enough mantra. It doesn't have to be perfect. What is good enough? Nobody is going to remember what kind of cake you brought to the party, okay? If buying a cake instead of making a cake saves you four hours of your day that you could really 
spend enjoying it in some other way, then definitely picking up a pre-made cake is your best bet. After you have asked for help, reduced your perfectionism, let go or dropped, crossed off the list what isn't absolutely necessary, I want you to again ask yourself, is this how I want to be spending my time? Does this list bring me joy? And if the answer is no, then you definitely have more trimming to do. What I want you to do is to ask for coaching from a trusted friend because there really may be a lot more trimming of the list that you haven't even thought of yet, but your trusted friend can help coach and guide you with this and reassure you and remind you, oh my gosh, this is totally not necessary. Why are you even doing that? When you finally get your list to where you think and your friend thinks that this is reasonable and doable, this is the mindfulness part. There is a skill in DBT that we call turning the mind. So when your mind goes back to the automatic worry, because it will, that's just what minds do, even when you've made your list and planned it all out, your mind, if you are naturally a worrier, is automatically going to still pop in the question, oh my gosh, what if this doesn't work out? What if I don't have enough time? The turning the mind skill is recognizing that we are worrying and turning the mind towards the thoughts of, I have it worked out. Focus on the present moment, focus on the now. So a metaphor for this is imagine mentally that you are walking down a path in the woods and you're enjoying your little journey in the woods and all of a sudden you come across a sign and the sign says to the left is worry and what if thoughts and to the right is peace and feelings of being in control. Sometimes we sort of accidentally wander down the path of worry and we don't even realize that we've gone down this path. We sort of miss that sign and we just veer to the left and then the next thing we realize is oh my gosh, I don't really like this part of the woods. It's kind of scraggly and scary and bumpy and this is really unpleasant. I was having a nice walk, I was having a nice journey and now all of a sudden, how did I get here? We have to retrace our steps to that sign and consciously make a different choice. We cannot control what thoughts pop into our head. That is totally and completely outside of our control but we can control how much do we hold on to those thoughts, how sticky are those thoughts, and how much do we grasp them as the truth. It is totally within our control to question our thoughts and to go down that path of peace and, and feelings of control, but we have to recognize first 
that that is a mindful choice. We have to be aware that we're even having these types of thoughts in order for us to change the direction of them. I hope that these mindfulness tips have been helpful for you today. Give them a try and just again remember that mindfulness takes practice. If you do just one of the things that I mentioned today with your food or your thoughts, then this is progress. None of us are perfectly mindful all the time. Remember, that isn't possible. The goal here is just to add a tiny bit more mindfulness to each day to build up that mindfulness muscle over time. Whatever you celebrate this time of year, I do wish you all of the joy and the happiness and the peace that you deserve. Take good care, be in the moment, and I will see you next week. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you'd like to learn more, you can reach me at laurielittle.com where I share additional free resources and lots of information. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean so much to me if you could write a review and share it with a friend. See you in the next episode.